Blazers. Welcome to Tailblazers episode two. I'm Jeff and always with me is Aaron. During this episode, we will continue the feud between the East and West Coast hazy IPAs from Dissolver in Asheville, North Carolina. We'll also continue our Q&A, but the roles will be reversed. This time, I will be asking Aaron the questions and we'll see what interesting answers he comes up with. As always, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube at The Tailblazers. Let's get to tasting. All right, this is the Dissolver West versus East Coast beer tasting part two. We're now going to dive into the sidetracked by demons hazy West Coast India double India pale ale by Dissolver Brewing out of Asheville, North Carolina. Just in case you forgot, this is the one with the Yeti monkey on with the horns coming out of its cheeks. Uh, so again, this is a double, this is from the West and a little bit different hops and, uh, same malt, but different hops. Let's, uh, let's open this up. Let's try it and we'll let you know. Of course we have uh, always a cold glass and I have my famous Dilf mug. I have whatever mug Aaron gave me. It's so, definitely hazy. Yeah, it's a hazy, uh, seems to be really close, um, Close in color to the other, the East Coast one. Um, I don't think it's any darker or lighter, really. I don't, it, I'm not... Uh-huh. It looks exactly the same. It might be a little bit lighter. doesn't, like, have that um, milkiness to it, like the other Hazy did. As far as, you know, looking through it, you can... I can see some light coming through the edges of the glass, but it's still, you cannot see through... The middle of the glass. Well, it's that time for the glasses to cling. Let's try it. So this to me, and I knew it. I knew they were going to do this. I knew the West was going to be the better one. I knew it. And I think this is a little bit better. Um, it is. It's. It tastes like a, a good double IPA with a hazy. So it's like a, you know, just think of it, take out your haze and just go to a regular double IP, kind of bitterness, the hoppiness, and, and add, a little, add a little bit of a haze to it, a little bit more malt. Um, this is a good beer. I don't taste the aftertaste like I did on the other one. I mean, that, this is... Um, it doesn't have that bite at the end. It doesn't cling to your tongue like the other one did. There's a little, I mean, there's a little bit. There's a little. I mean, it's little, not, but it's, not but it's probably, yeah, it's probably more. The other one was, was a very unusual bite to it. This one isn't like that at all. It's different. So, what one do you like better? I don't know. It's hard to tell, but I think I might have to go with this one, too. Just, it's easier to drink, I guess you would say. Yeah, I think it's, it's easier to drink. It's a good one. I think, though... You would, it is a heavy beer though. It's, it is packed. It does feel heavy. You know what I mean? Um, and I'm not talking just slight IPAs. Just you more know. malt. Yeah. More malt is what heaviness is coming from. To me at least. But I, I, I mean I would drink the other one again. And I think I'd drink this one again. I, w- I would definitely drink this one again. Um, but uh, yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting... Uh, much impressed. Now, I wonder why they went with east and west. Why they made these as opposites, you know. But 
at the same time the same because they're both hazies. You know, just an interesting there. I wonder, you know, kind of what their theme was in the marketing this and or what they were trying to do with these beers. Just two different styles. I mean, it's kind of the same style because it says a hazy. Right. But I wonder what's the difference between a hazy West Coast and a hazy East Coast. Yeah. Like, is there actual a different way of how they brew it in the brewing process? That's the question to ask, I think. Oh, yeah, I think so, too. Um, I I mean, they did use different hops, and I think that's, the, like, I'm getting a little bitter notes to it. And I think that's where those different hops are coming in. Because they used the um, Magnum Columbus and NZ Cascade. And I think those different hops might, you know, have a little more lupulum or alpha acids in them. So I did a quick Google search, and um, it says that uh, West Coast IPAs are known for being crisp, clear, and aggressively hoppy with great hop aroma and solid bitterness. Now, this is obviously not a hazy. So, so you're looking for the thing that connects these are both that they're hazy. However, the IPA side is what I just described. Again, for the West Coast is a crisp, clear, and aggressively hoppy with great hop aroma. How does it smell? Does it smell like great hop aroma with solid know. bitterness? I think there's more bitterness, but I don't know about the aroma. It sounds about the same. I don't really smell it. Not either. I don't, but I don't smell it like, you know, how usually you drink a hazy, it smells like a hazy. I don't know. It's hard to describe. Yeah, you don't. The smell. other one smelled like a hazy. This one doesn't smell like yeah, a hazy to me. I agree with you there. So the East Coast IPAs are cert, uh, certainly still hoppy, but are known to be hazy, fruity, and juicy. With a soft finish, which is interesting enough, we would uh, disagree with this soft finish. On, at least I would on the East Coast IPA, that, the hazy IPA they had. Um, I didn't see anything that was soft about that. I actually think it was kind of harsh with that that bitter aftertaste or whatever it was. Maybe it's because it was a soft landing on your back of your tongue and that's why it stuck there for a little bit. Yeah, no, yeah, it just like hung out there. It was like, it was just telling a story like your grandfather yeah. just wasn't ready to go yet and... They wanted to make sure it talked to every taste bud on your tongue. Yeah, definitely. Uh, it hung around there. But mm. I don't know. I would say that the way this is described for Google, I would say that these beers were flipped. I would say East and West were different for me. Like, I'd say that if you if you said this is definition of East, this is definition of West IPA, tell me what beer this is and tell me what beer that was, I'd flip these around. Um, That's interesting to say that. Yeah. I mean, just based off the definition here. Now, of course, this isn't... Maybe that's why this is a demon. It's to play with you. Yeah. Play with our minds. Play yeah. with our Google researches and everything. Maybe so, that's why. So, again, we've uh, now we've tried it. Um, will it be in my cooler? That is the question for you, Jeff. Will you pack this in your cooler the next time you go out? Um... Probably not. If I'm going to have this, I'll probably have it at the house on a special occasion. Because the price point for these that we never said for us was uh, $19.99 for a four-pack. Yeah. So, uh, this isn't one of those beers I'm going to be getting every day. Or for, you know, hanging out and everything else. These are going to be like, I want something different. I'm going to, you know, maybe choose this one. Yeah. You know, also to keep in mind with this one is a eight percent beer mm -hmm. uh, compared to seven, so it is a little bit higher alcohol by volume. But it is, again, it is a little bit smoother. 
Is it in my cooler? I'm going to go with no as well. Not going to pack it with my cooler. Um, most of the time, if I'm going out of the cooler, I want to be able to sit down and have a few beers, multiple. This is a little heavier. It's packed full of flavor. This is something I think if you're going to have it, like you said, it's a special occasion. Sit down and enjoy it. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe sure. by the fire at your house. Yeah. Fire by your house, perfectly tailgating, not the beer for you. West Coast, East Coast has ended, and West Coast won this battle. So, how about we get to some questions? All right, all right. Let's go with that. All right, so first question. What keeps you coming back to the wilderness? That's a a great question. I think, for me, just the... Well, let's go back as a childhood. I always really liked uh, being in the woods. My... My grandfather had a property that I was able to hunt and fish at. Uh, my dad took me there all the time. And as a kid, I used to have my little red ride BB gun and I would just go on, you know, all over the property looking for anything I could get into building forest and building, you know, building forest. <laughs> I'm just, I actually built, Don't the, whole, out, bro. I, I built the whole forest. Um, no, so anyway, I was out there building, you know, little, Indian things, teepees and huts. And I, I had this survival instinct that I, I felt like it was always kind of cool to be able to do and kind of act like an Indian or, or something like that. Just, uh, you gotta really respect what they did. And so I just loved being in that. I just loved nature. Um, I respect nature. I, you know, I do hunt and I do fish and I really like that, but I'm comfortable and I'm at home and I continued as a, as a little child that curiosity continued and even in through my high school years. And, and it still continues now as an adult, as a, in, in high school, I can remember playing football. I mean, baseball um, in different sports and just wanting to get back at the end of practice and just wanting the, my weekend to be at the woods, to be at the farm, to be in the you know the water, being out and hiking, just kind of doing that stuff. I think it's something about the innocence of just being by yourself it's sometimes so much greater than being with a bunch of people in a, in a sports team. And I'm a very social person. And maybe that for me, that's why it's so important for me is to be able to get away, to be able to, to have just one or two closer people that I'm, you know, that I'm familiar with, with me, a more intimate situation. Cause I do strive well in very social situations. I think there's just a lot to it that benefits my mental and benefits my health. And it's something that I've done since a child. And, uh, and I really like to continue to do it now as an adult. The curiosity has just never left me. Yeah, I hear you, man. Absolutely love it. I'll continue to do it. It is medicine uh, for the soul. Whew, medicine for the soul. Love it. That is awesome. It sounds like we have a pretty unique background on the wilderness and how we started. I love that. Love the answer. So question number two. What is your dream destination in the United States and why? Wow, that's a good one. You know, for me, I don't, being here, obviously, in South Carolina, we don't get a lot of snow. Uh, you know, two inches, three inches will wreck our town. Um, but I like snow. I like being cold. I was having the opportunity to go with uh, one of my best friends uh, to Montana, uh, his name's Greg Larson, and we went up there 
to Big Sky, Montana. And that was really the first time I got to really experience cold and snow. And uh, I thought I always liked it. I always thought I knew it. I really enjoyed that moment. I think one of the favorite places I'd like to go to is to be cold, some snow, ice, and uh, I'd like to see the Northern Lights. But uh, I'd like to be able to do that. I think something that would be really cool is to combine that love for just kind of being cold and the snow, something I don't get to see a lot, with like a camping trip, a little bit of an expedition to somewhere kind of remote, just to be able to be out there looking at the stars and seeing the Northern Lights is definitely on a bucket list, but I don't just don't want to take a car and I want to drive there. I want to camp the night. I want to be able to look up and just uh, realize how small we really are. Yeah, that's, that'd be a, an experience of a lifetime, I think. That's one thing I haven't experienced either. So that's definitely on my bucket list for sure. It's a great answer. All right. So next question. You ready? Yeah. What fears you the most while being in the wilderness? <laughs> oh man. Uh, there's a, there's a few pieces Adam. here. Yeah. There's, um, uh, what, uh, what fears me? I know this is going to sound really ser- uh, silly, but, uh, it's my mom. And, 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 and that actually has a connection to the wilderness. And here's why I went hiking uh, in my when I was in college with a roommate and we we stayed the night in the in the day before we we're going to leave we were going to go hike up to the Appalachian Trail there was a, a shelter there that I wanted to check out and I had in that particular campsite you don't there's no service like you don't have any cell phone service so when I would go there because I, I did it often I would text my mom and let them or let her know that you know I was going to be you know, leaving at this time, I was planning to be back into cell phone service at this time. And so, you know, that she would at least have an idea about where I was going, which also was nice just to get away from my cell phone for a little bit. And that was before, you know, how we are now, especially with COVID and everything. But I, you know, I would do that. And um, that was just, I, you know, there was some kind of pressure that I had like somebody checking on me because I, I didn't have like a satellite thing that, you know, if I needed help or anything. So we decided to go hike. Uh, it was not really that long. I think maybe five miles at the most. And uh, we started the hike. It was really sunny. It was really warm. It was in summer. It was in the Smoky Mountains. Uh, it was a decent climb. I don't think it was anything too crazy. And, and, and really, the trail wasn't that bad either. So we kind of did not have a this was in our beginning of our hiking to keep this in mind we were very novice in kind of of this kind of camping hiking stuff so we didn't have a really good watch i don't think we had a watch at all i didn't have enough water and i definitely didn't have any food i just really thought i don't know exactly what i thought this was going to be i just figured it was a stroll in the park well it ended up being a little bit bigger and a little bit more challenging than that and so as we were going up this hill i you know, also didn't have a map. I didn't really know how far I was. So as we went up this hill and every turn we took in the hill, I was looking at the map and I'm like, this is definitely not to scale because this does not match what I'm seeing. And so it's just started becoming a really a kind of a mind twist there for us. And I was getting to the point where I was just like, dude, I, I, I don't know where, where our end point is. I know where we're trying to go, but I don't know if it's doable at this point. So 
And he's like, ah, oh, it's just right around the corner. It's right around the corner. And uh, sure enough, we end up running to this guy uh, who had just hacked, hiked the whole entire Appalachian Trail through hike. He went to Georgia to Maine, back from Maine to Georgia. Okay. Older guy had two like walking sticks. He's coming down the hill. I mean, he's got a, a hell of a limp. I mean, he looks like he's hurting. And there I am. And, I mean, it's super hot. It's, you know, I'm sweating my butt off. I don't have any water. And so I am standing in this little sign that says drinking water only and just dumping that water out of this little hole that's coming out of the mountain that for people who are hiking on the Appalachian Trail could grab water. So I'm like, you know, I, I was like, am I contaminating this at this point? But I was so hot, I needed to cool off. And so he comes out there and he's very talkative, whatever. Go up the, you know, he tells us it's a little bit farther. Still sunny, it's still hot. We go probably a quarter of a mile. I mean, we were really that close at the point when I was just like, okay, I don't know if we can do this much longer. I get to the top. As soon as we get to the top, it starts raining and all hell breaks loose. It's thundering. I mean, it's so dark. The one thing I did bring is a headlamp. I'm actually wearing the headlamp. Uh, that's how dark it is at this point. I mean, we're in the cloud. So we see the Appalachian guy. We go about a quarter of a mile. It starts pouring down raining. It's thundering. And it's it's just really dark all of a sudden. And uh, my roommate looked at us and he's like, well, I guess we need to stay in the shelter for a while. And at that moment, right then and there is when I knew what I was afraid of in a while. And I was realized I had to get back to home so I could get my mom before they, you know, they started sending National Park Service after me. Because if I didn't make it at 6 p.m., I knew there was a helicopter coming and I was so embarrassed at that moment. And I looked at him, I was like, dude, we got to run back through lightning, thunder, rain. I don't care. We just got to go. And we, we hauled ass through there. Uh, I was running down this thing. It's pouring down raining and there's lightning just striking. And, and the whole motivation is that my mom's going to kill me if I don't get back. <laughs> and, uh, and I realized the whole, anything in the wild that I do, like, you know, bear, I've run across those definitely been, uh, had a couple of close uh, calls with a few snakes, uh, that were a little bit scary and all of it, the whole time I'm thinking is the one thing my mom's like, you better not get hurt. You better not, you better be come back safe. And, and that is the one thing that motivates me to survive. I think more than anything is that my mom isn't disappointed in me that my survival skills suck. <laughs> so it's a little bit of a long story, but there's actually a point. Um, the rest of the stuff's not so scary, but I want to make sure I get home for her. <laughs> oh, man. If moms can bring it in this world, they can sure take you out. Huh? <laughs> yeah, oh, man. That's a good one. I like it. All right, man. So next question. What is the best part of fishing? I think the uh, best part of fishing is the fact that you're able to uh, be a little more social you know, compared to like something like hunting, um, obviously if you're small game hunting, you have a little bit of chance to talk, but, uh, you know, I grew up in Charleston, South Carolina. I was by the coast. I'm very familiar with the water, been on boats a lot. I fish a lot. It's relaxing. It's chill. You don't have to overthink it. Um, and I really like that. I like to be able to do it as a, you know, with someone else too. I enjoy fishing by myself, but it's a, it's always been a team sport when I do it. And I, and I really enjoy that. I think the most. All right. Good answer. Good answer. Uh, next question. Why do you enjoy hunting? I like to hunt because it's trying to survive on what mother nature provides, what the earth provides. Um, I like to eat, you know, what I kill. 
I mean, there's something about knowing where it comes from. And it's also challenging, you know, and, and what we we're not hunting to just kill. Um, I also do a lot of watching of animals and I really appreciate what I see. And I take a lot of pictures and I send it to my, my wife who is not particularly fond of hunting, but I, you know, I show the deer and I show the animals and I'm not always out there to kill. So there's a, there's appreciation. There's something that I really, really like to be able to see just other things in this environment. That's is not a city or, you know, it's not a human being. It's, it's just really nice to be kind of by yourself and watching the world kind of interact when it doesn't know you're there almost and how, what it looks like. I really enjoy that aspect of hunting, I think. And I also like to eat and I really like, I like wild game. I'm not going to lie there. That is a, that is a big motivator. I think it's a big motivator for us both getting the good old fresh catch or the fresh harvest. It's always yeah. fun. Going on to our next question. This is a, uh, wanted kind of would bring in all the other questions that I've asked you before into one. So what inspires you to be an outdoorsman? What inspires me to be an outdoorsman, I think is that I don't know any other way. I'm not sure that it's even an inspiration. I think it's actually kind of just built in me. Uh, I think that, you know, the opportunity to be able to grow up, as a younger child, being out in the outdoors with my dad, seeing those, you know, the woods and seeing deer and turkey and, and experiencing that on and fishing and being from, you know, just being able to explore the woods. I don't think I really know any other way. I, I imagine somebody who grew up in a big city is comfortable there. And I think I'm comfortable uh, in the woods. That's just where I'm at. That's home to me. I don't, I don't know if it expires me. I think it's my foundation. And I really, at the end of the day, just don't know any other way. It's nice answer, man. Very nice answer. I think, you know, for both of us, we kind of live in the outskirts of the city, but we still aren't living where we really want to be. <laughs> right. And and, it's, and, <clears throat> yeah. And it's, you know, I, I also don't mind the city. I, I really, you know, it's, I'm not anti, you know, I can't be in the city. Don't ever see me there. I do. Yeah. I, I, like I said earlier, I like to be social and that stuff's a lot of fun. And right. I just, I like it in smaller doses. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, that's the way I am. Man. I'm not a big city person at all. I mean, I work downtown, but that's as much as I'm going down there. <laughs> <laughs> so anyways. All right. So moving on. From our outdoor section, we're going into our meat section. What is your favorite thing to cook outdoors and how? That's a good one. And I I have, I got to go with two little things here. All right. All right, man, let's hear them. Let's All go right. with number one. I'm going to tell you my favorite thing I ever cooked outdoors. I don't know if I can re replicate it. So I told you about my best friend from uh, Minnesota who, you know, has a lake house up there and also in Montana, uh, a mountain house in Montana. So we, I wanted to go up there and see the lake house and we caught, I caught a bass off their dock. Like just, I, we just, I don't even know what I was fishing with. It just took it, caught a nice bass and, and immediately knew I had to eat that bass. And so Greg knew exactly that that had to happen as well. So we went inside and his mom was a phenomenal cook. Absolutely phenomenal cook. 
and she gave us some breading. Uh, I think we just, I don't know, like chips we crushed up and did. I, I, I don't know what she did exactly, but we, we, you know, we gutted the fish, we cleaned it up, we got it ready and we put it on aluminum floor or whatever. And we stuck it next to a fire and we literally cooked it from the fire that we had just made. And it was close enough that the smoke from the fire kind of got into that little fish and, and it just really kind of got the smokiness. Uh, it was absolutely one of my favorite like meats ever cooked on a fi- open fire. Absolutely. Uh, one of the Ooh. best. Uh, and I, I couldn't, I don't even know if I could replicate it again. That's how good it was. It may have just been the experience that made it taste better. I think my favorite thing to cook on an open fire, and this may be a little weird, is green beans, peas, collard greens, and turnip greens. And let me let me explain this to you. And this is, you might want to write this recipe down. You're going to want to get a nice hot fire, right? Get it going. And so you got a nice cast iron pot. You're going to put that over the heat. And of course, with without any good recipe, what do you have to have? You got to have at least one stick of butter. I'm talking the whole stick of butter. You put that right in the pan, okay? Don't even question it. And as that melts through the fire, you're going to then add a nice ham hock. I mean, a good solid piece. Like when you're when you're like going through the grocery store and you're looking, you want the biggest one they have in that section. You're going to put it in that pot. You're going to let that cook for a while. You're going to let that butter just start kind of, uh, you know, greasily cooking this ham that's already full of grease with a little bit of that little salt flavor added up. Then just one question real quick. Yeah. So did you already add the ingredients and the water to it, or is this just that cooking in the pan? Right Right now now we got butter and we just got ham hock. So we're letting that, we're letting that uh, ham hock get a little bit of caramelization on it on the outside of that skin. And then just kind of let that cook for a while. Once that's all melted, you got a good flavor coming out of the smoke from the fire and you can smell like, it's not just like oak that you smell like burning or like pine or whatever you're burning. You want to make sure all that stuff is just, you know, cooking in there, caramelizing really good. Then you want to start going ahead and, you know, putting your uh, collards, you know, I, I like to de-stem them. I don't really like a big stem in there, so I'm cutting them. They're just kind of ripping them off the stem, throwing the stem away. That's just me. I don't like the texture. And also the same with the turnip greens and kind of putting those together. But what you put in first is to, you want to separate them because what you put in first is going to be the collard greens. You're going to add some water. You're going to fill it up, you know, to that it won't boil over. You're going to start putting your collards in there. And that pots, if probably, if you got a cast iron, isn't going to be big enough when you start. And you're going to go ahead and let this start simmering down. And as that water boils over the fire, that those collards are going to shrink up a little bit. And you just add whatever you have remaining on there until it just goes, whittles down to nothing. Then after a while, it starts to get real good and tender. Go ahead and start adding your turnip greens you're going to put that in there it's going to be a little high that's going to windle down to nothing once you get the boil done now and this is where most people probably stop but I'm, I'm telling you don't give up there at this point you want to get crazy and you want to open up a can of sweet peas like early sweet peas and you just want to dump that thing in there and you just dump all the juice in there you dump all and make sure you get every little little teeny pea put it in that, that cast iron pot, stir it up a little bit, and you just let it boil for a little while. And you let it boil till you think you got tired of boiling. And you just break that pea down until it's nothing but a little soupy pea. When you get to that, when you look at that pea soup, you just want to make sure that there's actually nothing in the pea. 
It's just a shell, just an outer shell of what it used to be. That's how you know you're good. Once you got to that part, you're going to then, hold on, don't stop yet. You're going to open up that can of green beans, and you're going to pour that on to the rest of the concoction you got in there. And you're going to let that heat up. Green beans don't really have to be worked too hard, so just let them put them in long enough to get them heat up. Of course, throughout this whole thing, a little salt and pepper to taste, perfect, but you do have a little bit of salt from the ham. So once you get done with that, it's kind of going to turn into like a greeny, like mushiness color. Um, it's kind of like a pale green. It looks like something you probably wouldn't eat, but uh, you're going to want to eat it. Take that off the fire. Pull your good bowl. It becomes a soup. I mean, it's got plenty of butter. And so who doesn't love a buttery soup and, uh, and the tenderness of the greens and the turnips. The only thing that can make it better is if you had a little bit of, you know, uh, pepper vinegar to add on it. But if you don't have that, it's okay. It'll do just fine. Absolutely. The best thing to cook on a fire. Wow. That's all I gotta say is wow. You have to have done that recipe more than once. Yeah, I and mean, here's the thing. Here's the kicker there. I've tried to do that recipe in my house. It's not as good. Not as good at all. Mm. And so I don't know what that's about. It's got to be an open, open fire. It has to be the fire. That's what it is. No it's doubt. It's open flame. Give it that extra kick. Damn, that's a good story right there, too. And it's a great recipe. I hope people were have their pens and paper ready. You know, the thing is, we got to come up with a name for that recipe. And well, so, I mean, uh, you made it. You got to come up with a name with it. Yeah, maybe it could be called. It's just off the top of my head. I'm going to spitball some stuff. Maybe the, uh, I don't know, the. Uh, the farm stew. The farm stew or the, you know, yeah, farm stews first. Uh, the. Uh, the star, the, I don't know. I like the farm stew. I think farm stew is it. Farm stew. Or the, the Kynard's collards. Kynard's collards. I like it. Could be something there. Watch out, Paula Dean. Kynard, here we come. The Kynard's concussion. I mean, oh man, I gotta re-say that one. It's the uh yeah, it's the Kynard's concoction. I can't say that word right now. So I like Kynard. Yeah. I like Kynard's dude. That's good. I said the farm stew. Oh, farm stew. Yeah, farm stew. Farm stew all day long. Woo-hoo. All right, what a great recipe there you gave us. It was awesome. So now we're just going to go into our beer section kind of category for this question I'm going to ask you. And um, it's hopefully everybody will enjoy it. So why do you enjoy going to a tap house or brewery or both? Or So I think I like to go to either one of them. Um, I think I'd much rather probably go to a brewery. I, I guess it's my first choice. So I'm going to go ahead and like put my marbles in that bag uh, and go with a brewery. I think it's, you know, and I, and, and I wouldn't go to a brewery that I'm close to. That's always been there and just constantly go to it. Uh, I kind of like going to different breweries. I think trying different things and trying to see what new people, uh, can, can come up with and different flavors because, you know, it's, 
it's amazing. It's, it's like, sometimes I wonder, like, can I taste all the really, is there really a lot of difference in it? And like, if you, if you blindfolded me and put me a bunch of different IPAs, would I actually tell you there's a difference? I don't know. There's some that I can definitely tell. There's some that are really close, but I really like that about breweries. And, and of course, if I find one that I really like, you know, I'm going to go to it more, but it's nothing better than going with, you know, um, I really enjoy going with you and my wife. Um, I think it's fun. It's just a social kind of ex- experiment on and beer. And obviously made a few beers here and there. I know that you have dabbed in it as yourself. Um, and so that's kind of cool to be able to appreciate the art of brewing and getting to taste that from a brewery. Uh, sometimes when you get to a tap house, you don't, you're not as intimate with that. So I think that's why I like the brewery a little bit better. It's just the intimacy of, you know, in the next room is where they fermented it. You know, that's the next room where they, created the wart i mean that's it's pretty it's pretty exciting to me to know that i'm right there where that beer was made so i kind of like that and i appreciate what they do i hear you on that because my favorite is always going on a hike and then hitting a brewery afterwards and that's always the best yeah and you know our worst case scenario is if you go on a hike you at least got a pack of beer or two you always have to pack a beer or two because, I mean, once you get to that destination at the end, you want to stop and relax. What's a better way to do it than with, with a beer? I mean. And, and after all those calories you burn, you can get you can move up from a light beer. You can start to get into a little heavier beer, you know. You can really start to enjoy, uh, you know, a nice IPA, maybe even a stout just to celebrate. I, I definitely, I definitely am motivated. Maybe that's why I – maybe every question I said earlier – was just absolutely full of shit and the only reason i hike is just to drink a beer at the end and, and that's that's probably it maybe that's why i go to work so i can drink a beer at, at five o'clock when i get done that's probably my motivation it all makes sense now <laughs> so beer is your motivation for life yeah the only let me let me <laughs> let me say this the only thing that it's not a motivator is what I'm scared of in the wild. And that is still my mom. Uh, I'm still coming out of there. Okay. But damn it. I'm going to drink when I get home safe. You know, that is, I'm telling you right now, I'm coming home safe and I'm drinking. Hey mom, I made it. I'm at the brewery. You know, that's a good night for me. You'll be hiking along the trail and all of a sudden you turn the corner and there's your mom holding a beer for you. <laughs> and she would too, man. She would. <laughs> oh man. That's priceless right there. That's that's awesome. All right. So at the end of this, I wanted to end with something different. Okay. And I'm going to end with a quote. If it speaks to you, please describe why. If it doesn't, then say, you know, whatever, Jeff. I don't care. But this quote, hold on. Let me uh <clears throat> Get my pronunciation up again. Oh boy. Yurg. 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 All right. <laughs> What's it again? Yurg. 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 All right. <laughs> Are you ready? Yeah. All right. So this quote is by an author by the name of Sonia Yorg, and it goes, hiking's not for everyone, 
Notice the wilderness is mostly empty. Ha! That really speaks to me. Uh, actually, it is interesting enough to think about what you said on the previous podcast, which was how you enjoyed the fact that when you go onto a hike that you've walked on territory or you've seen things that most people don't get to see and that it is really empty and it is can be, can be isolating as, as a hobby. It's a very isolating hobby at times. But it is also very shocking that people don't realize the benefit of it so quick, you know, how, what it, what the purpose of it really is. And, and actually that's where we came from, you know, we came from that isolation and, you know, we got this big and we built these cities and we created these hubs and stuff and can't forget where you come from. And I think the fact that that isolation, um, the wilderness, which is, you know, when you define wilderness, I think you think of wild and just crazy and, but that's not what wilderness really is. You know, it's, it's intimate, and it's quiet and it's peaceful. And so I think it's, it's a very interesting, um, you know, perspective. And I, I really like it. I, I could, I, I wouldn't say that I would tattoo it on my right thigh, but I really enjoy it. <laughs> it's not going to go on your back now, is it? <laughs> nope. Nope. <laughs> well, that's awesome. I appreciate it. I'm glad you like that quote. I'm glad you found some uh, symbolism in there like I thought of when I read it. Um, it's to me, it spoke to me as well. And I, I would like to say again, it's author Sonia Yorg and it's S-O-N-J-A-Y-O-E-R-G. Uh, I just found it off the internet, just typing up, uh, typing, did a quick search on Google for inspirational outdoor quotes and i saw it i liked it i figured i wanted to throw it out there and see what aaron thought about it so that's the end of all my questions right there uh you did really well aaron your answers were very unique in your own way as you are and i appreciate that about you brother all right thank you for staying to the end with us today I hope you enjoyed the episode. Catch us on the next episode, episode three. We'll air that in two weeks. And we have some good stories and some adventures now that you know us that we can't wait to tell you. Again, if you need to look for us, find us at at the T-H-E-T-A-L-E-B-L-A-Z-E-R-S. And that's at the Tailblazers. Check us out. Let us know what you like. And always, please subscribe, like it. It helps us, and give us feedback when you can. We appreciate each one of you guys. Thank you.